Hello and uh, welcome to another scintillating edition of our podcast, Offside Musings. I'm delighted to welcome you on behalf of my co-host, Emeka Onyawa. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at the... Um, uh, okay, I'm going to drag it out a little bit until I find a word. <laughs> okay. So um, in today's episode, we're going to be looking at the inauguration of Charles Chukwuma Soludo as the governor of Anambra State. That inauguration is scheduled to take place uh, in a couple of days, actually, March 17, 2022. Uh, we're going to be looking at what Soludo's inauguration and governance would mean both for Anambra State as well as uh, the broader Nigerian collectivity. Uh, Soludo ran an extraordinary campaign um, in mobilizing the people of Anambra State to support uh, his candidacy when he was the governorship candidate of the All Progressives Grand Alliance, APGA. And he defeated a field that included Valentine Uzibo, who actually gave a good account of himself, and Andy Oba, who was a rather disastrous candidate on the, on, on the campaign storms, uh, as well as in uh, the debates. Soludo has promised the people of Anambra State a different style and substance of governance. He has promised uh, a government that um, will be attentive to creative ways of solving problems, to using, utilizing uh, the best methods and technologies available in the world to the solution of problems that have been intractable in Anambra State, which in this case is a, a kind of microcosm of Nigeria. In today's um, episode, we're going to look at some of the promises that Soludo has made. We're going to look at um, some of the um, sort of differences of style um, that he has promised to bring in including having um, an inauguration that will be very short on, on a ceremony on the pomp and pageantry that we usually associate with these events, uh, but then emphasizing, uh, just focusing on doing the people's work from the very uh, opening whistle. So Ludo has said that he would uh, dispense with the big ceremonies, all the speechifying and so on, and that he wanted a short inauguration and that he will go to work the same day, uh, March 17, and put in long hours uh, to begin uh, the work of moving Anambra State to a, a better uh, place. So we'll look at this and we'll look at the consequences should Soludo fail to deliver on the big promises he's made, the consequences both for uh, himself politically, for the political party that um, he represents, 
as well as the broader class of educated, enlightened Nigerians who need to participate more in politics. And so everybody is looking at Soludo. If he becomes a roaring success, which is our expectation and our prayer, that will be wonderful across the board. Uh, but if he fails, if he disappoints, if he settles back to the usual business uh, way of carrying on as other politicians, then it's going to be a disastrous day for any enlightened candidate, both in future in Anambra State as well as throughout the country. So I'd like to welcome you to this really exciting conversation in today's episode. Welcome. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. So, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the, 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 the big thing, obviously, is um, looking at it. I mean, the way people have looked at Anambra, the way you wrote about looking at Anambra as a beacon of, um, of possibilities mm-hmm. for Nigeria. Um, the big thing is now, you know, just like you said, is it going to be just um, business as usual in a different attire? Or is there going to be substantive sh- a some some level of substantive change? You know, are we going? Is it just going to be well inauguration is going to be less expensive, mm-hmm. or is it going to be the sign of things to come? Well, um, I guess the best answer is uh, that it remains to be seen. <laughs> All right, um, but clearly Soludo um, has the educational credentials, okay? He's uh, a man who has um, operated at the highest levels of the financial sector. Uh, He's been a professor in Nigeria and outside of Nigeria. Uh, He's been the governor of the Central Bank of Nigeria. And and he's, by all accounts, a first-class scholar. So the question then is, and he chose, he chose to, as it were, promise intensely. Some people might say that he overpromised, okay? But I will say that he promised grandly, and my expectation is that he uh, knows um, what it takes, and I believe that he knows what it takes. My hope is that he has the discipline, because that's really what it takes ultimately, um, the discipline to follow through and to be attentive to the granular details of statecraft. You know, what does it mean to be a leader? He has to be a leader. And part of it is actually, so there are cosmetic, there are, if you like, uh, symbolic uh, dimensions to being a good leader. So the fact that Soludo decided that he wanted to break with this tradition of aggrandizement and of pageantry and so on, um, and to have a stripped down, uh, it's just bare essentials kind of inauguration. Let me just take the oath of office and I should go to work 
the same day for the people rather than say, okay, let's work tomorrow, which in many uh, instances in Nigeria would then translate into let's just party for one more week. You know, this is the week of our inauguration. <laughs> let's party for one week. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the one week, they say, oh, governor, you know, let's continue the party. <laughs> you know, there are some of your, uh, st- some of the stakeholders who have not celebrated. So they ultimately, governors then extend their uh, aggran- self-aggrandizing celebration to a month. And before you know it, they've spent four years essentially uh treating themselves to parties. So I I know a lot of my friends, okay, who are, you know, political figures in, in Nigeria and in Anambra State are sort of a bit cynical about the Soludo model, what he's proposing to do. And so somebody called me and said, oh, you know, it's not just to do a, a quick inauguration, it's to stay the course. And, well, Soludo... You've set yourself the challenge. Nobody put him to it. He decided that he wanted to do this. And, um, you know, I really, really uh, um, want him to succeed uh, because so much is riding on this. I know that in Nigeria, we tend to self-select for the least enlightened, least educated, the most rustic, People, the most criminal elements become uh, governors and presidents and senators and you know have all kinds of political office. And you know what they say is that oh yeah, even though we're corrupt, <laughs> you, you know, as a story, there's uh, <laughs> some years ago um, uh, a former governor in the southeast that I've known from the 1980s, uh, happened to come to America, was in D.C., I met somebody who knows me, and um, so he got my number and he called me, <laughs> and he said to me, ah, okay, um, I'm fighting to be the president, um, the se- most serious Igbo man fighting to be the president of Nigeria, and you have not written anything in support of me. So I said to him, I said, you know, I don't take you seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I told him. Uh, because I knew this guy when he was, um, you know, a rogue element in society. You know, I never believed that this, anybody would allow this guy to be a governor. <laughs> so here he is telling me he was serious to be president. So I said, I don't take you seriously. Um, and he says to me, do you think... Uh, that I'm a Jaguda. I said, you are worse than Jaguda. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy, you know, he has a sense of humor. You know, we've been friends, right? So I could be, you know, open and blunt. You know? So he said to me, well, you know, uh, uh, it's Jagudas who can run, uh, in his word, who can rule Nigeria. So I said, okay, you fail it there because I look at leaders. I don't look at rulers, right? So he says to me, oh, we need Jagudas, you know, who go and fight. Who are the kinds of people, uh, if you get your Jebota people who speak grammar, you know, they will just flush them out of the place. But so it's a, way, a long way of saying that a lot rides on Soludo's success, okay? Because if he fails, he's going to energize the Jagudas <laughs> to say, you know, so... 
this you can't get better than this man in terms of education in terms of enlightenment in terms of experience in terms of uh being a man with a global consciousness so if he fails please we don't want anybody to come tomorrow and say i have a phd i have to be, i want to be governor you guys go and sit down write speeches for us which we'll go and read uh, let us go and uh, still continue the stealing uh, thing. So, so my hope is that Soludo gets both the um, the software, if you like, mm-hmm. uh, right, mm-hmm. and also gets the hardware right. Yeah. Well, look, man, it's there. There's just so many. There's just so much about about that. Uh, so many angles in terms of um, um i mean i know saludo is looked at as an actual intellectual mm. because if you're looking at it first things first almost all these governors have credentials that say they're intellectuals mm-hmm. and we could name them some of them have been pro- even jonathan was a professor I mean, mm-hmm. we, we've mentioned it before and we, we would always mention it because you know that's a, a, a phd holder and i think zoology or something mm-hmm. uh governor of cross river state was actually a professor within the state current governor the list is endless uh when i just counting lawyers and social medical doctors and all those kind of things we could we could run down a massive list of them so that a lot of them is just i guess we salute with salute and financial professionals i mean we're talking of a peter Obi who um was looked at as a first class financial professional and some people feel um, that he he did a great job, which is going to be you know something we, we need to, we are going to talk about now in terms of what a great job is, Means. what is needed, what mm-hmm. what what is really needed. Some people feel he he did Peter Obi did a great job, um, not from where I I sit mm-hmm. did he, but some people feel that way. Um, so it's 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 looked at as Soludo is more of the poster child for a level of intellectualism, if I might put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't disagree, although I do feel it's somewhat disingenuous to, based on the factors. That it's kind of like, you know, there are a lot of people who are so-called um, intellectuals and all that, but I feel it's just um, um, more of a substantive. People look at him as somebody with substance. So do, does that substance carry over, mm-hmm. um, like you said? And two, can... And Anam, can a governor of a state like Anambra, can a governor in a state be actually um, um, transformational? Um, I know people will point to Boyi or uh, previous governor of um, Akwaibom, mm-hmm. who to, to certain degrees have been effective. But at the end of the day, they've also still not, they, they also, based on the records, based on the reality, didn't take off the Jagudaism or the Jagudaness. Mm-hmm. That they had in terms of looting, being corrupt, and uh, this thing, and I know our standards are the lowest, maybe even the lowest a human being possibly can aspire to as a populist. Mm-hmm. Like, well, he stole some money, but he did some work. Is literally the, the standard, mm-hmm. you know. But they, they, you know, did that. So the question, the, the thoughts, and the question is, how well can um, a governor? How effective can a governor be? Um, you know, and how? W- what would be? What would be the? Um, what What would be the bar? Mm-hmm. You know, for a, for 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 solo. What are the What are the immediate? What are the, what are the immediate problems? What's okay. in Anambra? You know, what what 
what would be that bar? What would be the, the destiny? How, how, how would you see it, okay. essentially? Well, um, it, th- I mean, we could actually do like <laughs> the whole hour on, <laughs> on this question. Um, so, th- as you rightly said, two, two issues before I get to what the bar, I think the bar should be. Two, two questions that you raised. One is the whole idea of how do we count people as educated and el- enlightened in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, the conventional thing is to just say somebody has a PhD. We have seen, uh, or a master's degree or whatever. Uh, we have seen so many people with such degrees who have demonstrated very little um, enlightenment, okay? Um, So for me, it's not it. What is important is to have the certificates, um, but then to have um, sort of the, what undergirds it. You know, to to be somebody who respects uh, uh, the mind, the, the you know the the life of the imagination. Because if you look at if you look at any great society, right? Great societies are always the product of the imagination. That's where it starts, and that's why uh, our people unfortunately get it wrong. A lot of our people say. Uh, you know, is it uh, uh, literature and philosophy you're going to read? It's in literature, or it's in philosophy, it's in the humanities that people begin to imagine a different, more deeply human society. And then they, once that society is conceived, they work towards its achievement. So that's one point that I wanted to make that I don't consider people educated simply because they have uh, degrees. Um, you know, typically in Nigeria, you meet people, and when you greet them, they say, I'm Dr. Susa and so. And you say, oh, what's your medical field? I say, oh, no, I'm a doctor of philosophy or a doctor of sociology. And if you are really educated, you don't want to advertise your doctor or anything. It's in, in your exchanges with people that they come to know that you are a man of learning, right? Uh, and there are lots of people of learning who did not go to school. You know, one of my favorite examples is Mokugo Okoye, the late Mokugo Okoye. When you met the man, he was grounded in philosophy, he was grounded in sociology, he was grounded in anthropology, in history. He, was, he wrote poetry at, at an excellent level. He didn't have much of a formal education, but he wrote great, great books that were being studied in universities. But let me get to the second point, which is uh, you talked about P2B and so on and how people say, yeah, P2B did well. And, you know, that's an argument people make. And, you know, uh, in the interests of full disclosure, P2B and I um, are, in a sense, close friends, you know, and um, my mother adopted him as a son. So you know, so, <laughs> so you know, so when my mom died, he, it was his mother who died as well. So, um, but 
you know, but I was critical of his of his government. Okay, um, not that I don't recognize the achievements that people credit him with, but I expect a lot more of people. So when a governor in Nigeria says I I build roads, I say to them, building roads is not an achievement, and it really is annoying because in a sense, it's like governors in Nigeria have reduced themselves to that very low denominator. You know, oh, the governor is trying. You say, what is the governor? Oh, he's paying salaries and he builds roads. You know, uh-huh. and our people clap. And I say to them, you should be able to program a computer, something inanimate, really. And you program it, and every year it will tell you what roads to build. We shouldn't have a governor who is highly paid, who has all the perks and uh, uh, all these resources that come from his office, and all the governor does is to build, do substandard roads, okay, which are not maintained, you know. So one of the things, one of the great problems in Anambra today is that the roads are in terrible shape, which you would not expect given that, you know, Ngige was uh, praised for building roads, Peter Obi was praised for building roads, Obi Anoy in his first time at least was praised for building roads, but these roads are substandard. And then there are all kinds of other little details like the waterways, you know, the, the, um, the erosion control, the, um, the grassing of the sides of the roads and so on, which nobody pays attention to. And so you build a road, it just takes one half of a rainy season and the roads are washed off. And then when you tell the governor, is, is they say, oh, I just build the roads. So it is not just building roads, it's also the culture of maintaining those roads. So let's get to what the big, for me, the big items are that Soludo must uh, attend to. Key to anything that any society does is education. Education. And education is sim- not simply teaching people to read and write. It is, in a sense, activating what the human being already has, the capacity for analyzing problems, coming up with solutions to those problems, and then implementing those solutions. That's what a, a good, sound educational system affords. In Nigeria, when you look at, in any state, and I'm not particularizing it, this to Anambra state, you go to any state in Nigeria and you look at the schools, secondary schools, elementary schools, and you see where we put the young ones that we call the leaders of tomorrow, which has become a running joke because, you know, tomorrow never comes. (laughs) And and if tomorrow ever comes, um, the kids then find out that their lot is to be uh, basically the crushed of tomorrow. They are never the leaders of tomorrow. So just looking at the environment itself, okay? Looking at the kind of uh, all the um, uh, deplorable situations that we have uh, made us habituated ourselves to. Okay, um, where I went to a well, you know, school that on on on, uh, um, on one level looks impressive by Nigerian standards, 
and uh, they had no toilets. So you build a school, a government in Nigeria builds a school, and when their teachers and the students need to pee or to defecate, they go to the bush, okay? Already what you're doing is that you're reducing these students and teachers to animal level. It's animals who pee and, 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 and defecate in the open. Human beings don't, okay? So, so Soludo has to make an investment, a dramatic and substantial and long-term investment in education, the education of our children, so that people should be able to look at Anambra State and say, well, I don't have to fight to send my kids to private schools. The secondary schools, the schools in Anambra State, elementary, secondary, universities are well equipped they, um, to, to run, you know, uh, to, for me to send my own kids to. So education is key. And part of education um, is that we have to make intellectual matters important again, okay? I'll tell you, I'll give you a story. Some years ago, I happened to be in, uh, in Nigeria, and a friend of mine was close to a governor, and he said, oh, you know, the governor was reading your columns, you know, he heard you are in town, he wants to meet you. So, you know, I usually don't go to meet governors, but because I had stopped writing my column at the time, I said, okay, I can go meet him. So I, we got there, and the governor said, oh, you know, it's such a delight to meet you. You know, we always need help, advice from people like you. So I said to him, let me give you advice that I give to every important politician that I meet. I said, start a culture of reading, okay? I said, your wife is the first lady of, of the state. Have your wife start a book club. Every month, your wife should choose one book and she should invite all the men and women in the state to read the book along with her. And then she should choose a few people to sit down with her, perhaps get the local TV station to televise parts of them, of their gathering as they discuss the book. And I said, maybe if, you know, after a few months, you uh, call one of the writers who, whose books have been chosen to come and give a talk to your wife and her group of readers. And I said, ask your commissioners to go to classrooms in your state and read a section of the book that has been chosen by your wife to students. Just start creating the culture that reading is important. Because when you talk to our people, they say, na book I go chop. And I tell them, yes, it is possible to chop books. In fact, that's one of the best things you can chop. <laughs> okay, if you're going to be an enlightened person in the modern society, rather than simply a consumer who will say, oh, what's that thing that is popular and uh, fashionable in, in London? Buy it for me. You look like a village idiot. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so that's the sort of thing. In Anambra State, so, uh, you know, so Peter B, for example, built 
a library in Oka. We called it the ultra-modern e-library. And so one day I was in Oka and I was passing with a friend. And this friend pointed to a building and said, that's the library that Peter will be built. And I looked. Everywhere was bush, the grounds of the library. And the gates were shackled. Okay? And, and this was in the daytime? Uh, in the daytime. Hmm. So, so Jonathan had come to Anambra State, had read a speech opening this so-called library. There wasn't one newspaper in the library. There wasn't even a sheet of paper in the library. But they named it a library. So that just you put up a building <laughs> and you said, this is a library. <laughs> and people are clapping. And when it came time to talk about the governor's achievements, they would say, oh, he built a library. Mm -hmm. So our people think that a library is a building. So I wrote a column in those days where I criticized this. And I said, it's a library for snakes. And uh, <laughs> you know, I said, because, you know, I mean, how, how does the president of the country come and inaugurate formally launch a library, then when he leaves, the place is, you know, shackled and padlocked. But right? don't you feel that as the, it's, it's because the, the standard of society is just so low, like, and you that, know. And that's the point that I'm making. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that, uh, you know, our people don't have that whole view of things. So somebody sits down and says, oh, it would be good to build a library. First of all, you and I live in America. Every small town has a library. Mm -hmm. Some towns have two, three, five, ten libraries, both public and private. Okay? So it's a scandal that in a governor's eight-year term, he builds one library. And people name this as an achievement. And so, so we have to move away. And that's what, uh, again, uh, sort of the Soludo thing. So um, I don't want Soludo in his 100-day um, uh, anniversary or one-year anniversary to ever sit down and say to me, I tied the roads from uh, Agolo to Newi. It's an insult. Road tyrants should go without saying. Okay? And I, I had a small debate on the TV in London some years ago. Uh, I was on, in London being interviewed on Ben Television and I was being critical of the Jonathan administration. Jonathan was in office then. And uh, somebody called in, a Nigerian who lives in London, lived in London. They said, oh, you have to be objective. You know, the man is, uh, you know, he's achieving something. I said, tell me his achievement. He said, he's building roads. So I said to the caller, you know, there's a calling program. I said, you live in London, right? He said, yes. I said, have you ever heard the mayor of London or the British Prime Minister speak and say, my achievement is that I built roads. And he said to me, eh, but uh, we can't compare ourselves to, to Britain. Uh, Rome was not built in a day. You know, that kind of woolly thinking, right? So I said to him, I said to this caller, I said, first of all, why shouldn't we compare Nigeria to Britain? Are you then saying that the white man is indeed superior to us, and if we agree <laughs> that white people are superior, why are we independent? Why don't why, why don't we call Britain to send people to come and govern us? Do you understand? <laughs> so 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 I said to him, I said, at any rate, the Nigerian president 
in his uh, allowances, in his salary, in the security vote that he controls, makes several times the, sal the annual salary of the British Prime Minister. Every month, a Nigerian governor, a Nigerian governor, every Nigerian governor in Nigeria, every month has more in security vote that they, that they control more than the salary, of the annual salary of the U.S. president. Think about that. And a lot of governors pocket that money. And yet they're not satisfied. They pocket that money, or most of it, and they find other monies to steal. And yet when you then say, let's compare Nigeria to Dubai, let's compare Nigeria to Britain, they say, no, you can't do that. I said, then why are we paying them as if they are superstars? So we mm. pay governors and presidents in Nigeria scandalously uh, uh, high, high salaries and so on, and allow them to steal more, right? So, so I, I said to this guy finally, who called me from London, I said, first of all, if we, we should compare the Nigerian leader to the leaders of Sweden, to the leaders of France, to the leaders of Britain, to the leaders in America, and if they are not, if we agree that our leaders are not as good, please let us go and recruit the leaders who are good in those <laughs> countries to come <laughs> and run. Because you know, Nigerians deserve. We have the money. Is much much of it. We have the potential. Uh, yeah, we got the potential. But of course, I don't believe that the white uh, Europeans, Caucasians are superior. You know, I don't believe in that at all. I believe in the. Uh, intellectual equality, in the moral equality, in the um, shared acumen of every every uh, human group, right? So what we have to do simply is to begin to hold our uh, leaders to account. So one of the things that I want that I want to see from Soludo to really set himself apart: accountability. Okay, let the people of Anambra State know every month how much money comes into the state, where it came from, and how that money is spent. Okay, mm -hmm. where it goes. If any leader begins to do that, so you see, um, I don't talk about things like building roads. That's stupid. That should go without saying. Roads should be built. Okay, mm -hmm. so it, it, it's like it's like you're a father. Mm -hmm. I'm a father. It's like if somebody says to me, what's your achievement as a father? I say, okay, I make sure that uh, my children eat. Okay? You are an idiot. Do <laughs> 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 you understand? <laughs> because, I, you know, I mean, if you're a father and you have a little bit of money, and all you do is you go to a restaurant and you blow that money and you come home and your children are looking at you hungry <laughs> and you're looking at them. <laughs> you know, then you're not a father. You should be in jail or something, right? So the same way, the same way, really. Mm. Uh, if you tell me, oh, since this governor came, salaries are paid on the 26th. Every 26th, they pay salaries. And are people actually... It's, it's the scandal of low expectations. Yeah. We have reduced ourselves to this. So Soludo, if he wants to set himself apart, s create an environment where the best. And so he's done something really promising, right? Mm -hmm. Again, people are critical of it. I'm not. It, I don't think it's been done anywhere in the world. 
that you said to potential office holders, I want you to apply for political jobs. Write an application. Tell me of your qualifications. Tell me of what you can bring to the transformation of Anambra State. Sort of, there's something Kennedy-esque about it. You know, it's like how Kennedy, President Kennedy said to mm -hmm. Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. So Soludo has said to uh, the people of Anambra State, and indeed I hear that he's opened it up to other Nigerians. Come tell me what you can do for Anambra State to make it great. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. And so in a lot of ways then what he's doing is he's saying, I'm not going to appoint people based on the usual, I know Chief Sosa and so and he, he sent me his song to make his song Commissioner of Finance, right? Mm -hmm. So Ludo says, I want a Commissioner of Finance who can actually write me uh, a proposal for how he's going to a, uh, increase uh, revenues in Anambra State and then invest that revenues the revenues in ways that would really have an impact on the broad section of, of society. That's wonderful. But if he doesn't hold faithfully to that um, uh, way, right? Mm -hmm. So if people write fantastic proposals and then Saludo goes nepotistic and chooses uh, wishy-washy, third-rate, uh, mediocrities to run his government, then he, you know, people will mock him, you know. So in a lot of ways, uh, so education set a different moral tone in the country. Um, um, make sure that you don't self-aggrandize, okay? Mm -hmm. Think of things like your convoy. Recognize that you you are governing a space where people are poor. When you go to places, go in two cars, at most three. Have one police vehicle in front, be in the middle, have another police vehicle behind you. Don't go in a convoy of 10, much less 20 or 30 cars, okay? Um, have your first lady be the most a wonderful first lady in history by being quiet. Let her get out of the limelight, except if, except on occasions when she is promoting, championing causes that everybody would agree are worthy of promotion and, champion, and champion, championing, right? Mm -hmm. um, the whole idea where a first lady comes out and people call her mommy, you know, <laughs> and then commissioners have to go and bow to mm. your, your wife and so on as a governor. So there are all these, again, little things, um, and those are the things that I'm focusing on because those are important. If the governor would say, for example, I'll give you another example. I went <laughs> to see uh, a relative who is a politician uh, some years ago. He gave me an appointment to come to his office, and I went... Uh, to see him at 10 a.m., mm -hmm. I didn't see him until 4. Um, the only reason I stayed, because I don't stay. If you keep me late for five minutes, I leave. The only reason I stayed was that 
uh, one of his appointees was a friend of mine for decades. So I, I was in the guy's office just talking. Yeah. But what this man told me was that, oh, you know, there's this traditional ruler that he was not expecting. The traditional ruler just walked in and you can't tell them not to come. We should begin to change our societies. You should tell people the governor is busy or the minister. If you want to see me, call. I want to see you, of course. But call my protocol office and make an appointment. And if I tell you to come at 4 p.m., you better come at 4 because I've scheduled somebody for 4.30. Okay? So if somebody, a traditional ruler comes, you've given him appointment for 4 p.m., he comes at 4.30. You don't, as the governor, you don't even talk to him. Your protocol people will meet him and say, oh, Your Royal Highness, uh, we're sorry. This is now 4.35. The governor has another meeting with somebody. He's in that meeting. And no, he can't see you at 5. Okay? Mm. So go back, call us, and make another appointment. So those little things. Yeah. People will call you arrogant. Soludo has a reputation as arrogant. But sometimes arrogance is good. Okay? In that case. If you are being arrogant by insisting that people do the right thing. So, so, so these are some of the ways Anambra State has centers like Newi, like our nature, that can sustain a kind of cottage industrialization. All they need is to clean up the space, okay, mm -hmm. and set up... Um, the basic basic um, infrastructure make arrangements for water make arrangements for power independent power plants will be important uh, power is key to industrialization anywhere um, so Soludo should he, he doesn't have enough time even if he has a second term to complete all these tasks but if he starts then it uh, people will see that leadership can actually be transformative and people will no longer settle for the uh, the kind of milisiji, uh, as they say. <laughs> Small. That's the baba of them all. Yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right. Yep, 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 yep. I mean, that was a, that was a long list of um, um, idealistic things in some ways that you feel, uh, I mean, you didn't mention security. I think security is, um, in fact, for me, I think the two major things anybody can do in Nigeria or try yeah. to do in Nigeria to stimulate growth and economy. You mentioned education is one of the big ones, but I think the two major ones for me is always um, security and um, ease of doing business, meaning yeah. red tape. When I say red Absolutely. tape, Nigeria is in a whole category of it in, in itself. Mm -hmm. Talking of um, all kinds of agencies, all kinds of, um, 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 you know, people coming in. It's it's on, it's on If you haven't spoken to people doing business in Nigeria about how much they get harassed and taxed, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a whole it's a whole 15 novel series to start yeah. with. Man. But, I mean, you talk, you talk about all these things about how, um, you know, um, going in and and getting qualified people um, is not that I, I feel like the other people who have been qualified who have who have held political office uh, not just governorship and this thing we talked about Peter be the other people who have also been but the system itself is something that can is something that is an inhibitor to excellence yeah like you said you are talking about um, you know 
get you give the example of the the, the the person you went to see who delayed you because some traditional ruler just breezed in and setting the standards that these things don't happen mm-hmm. um i know it's easier said than done um I, I agree with you on that point that people should but i think it's mm-hmm. just in in another way in the other side of the coin it's 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 I don't know if it's possible because in some cases that would literally end your career. I imagine if a OB of Anicha comes to your office and you have to tell him to, uh, and um, he doesn't take it well and goes, you know, those kind of individuals. Well, so. I, I tell you something. Um, the societies that run well, okay, have basic rules that. Um, have earned the consent, collective consent of everybody. Okay? Trust me. If you spell out the rules, okay, and you say to people, you explain it to people, okay, so you don't come across as arrogant. You explain to people, I want to deliver. There's a lot of work to do in, in my state, in the country, and I want to deliver for the people, okay? So in order to deliver for the people, I want everybody's cooperation. I'm not isolating myself from people. I want to meet people, uh, big and small, but I need time because governance, you know, I mean, uh, one of the things that distinguishes great leaders, if you look at um, around the world, Obama, for example, every year he issues a list of his favorite books and people look forward to it, okay? Uh, Bill Clinton, when he was president, um, you know, read, okay? Um, So informed leaders have to have time to space, really to think. Again, uh, I would suggest that most of what a leader does is to imagine a better place for his people. So to think. In order to think, you need that solitude. Okay? Um, you need to be to remove yourself from this constant stimulation of society. People being around you, going from um, a wedding to somebody's funeral to somebody's you know, child bending ceremony to somebody's uh, chieftaincy taking titles and so on. A leader, you know, part of what it means is to discipline yourself, okay, and say, I'm one of, you know, point zero 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 one in huma- in in all of history, set out to be a governor or a president. So you you explain it to people. For me to be able to deliver, I need to manage my time well. I want to see you. So if you're a big uh, traditional ruler and you want to see me, all you need to do is to call my protocol people. They will find a time that is convenient between you seeing the governor and the governor. If it is an emergency and you, you know the governor can't fit you in, there's social communication there's the phone you call the governor on the phone you discuss the matter but don't just 
you know, be a traditional Roland. You are driving to Enugu from Abagana. <laughs> and, you know, you are passing government house and you say to the driver, eh, drive in, let's see if we can <laughs> see the governor. But you know that's what's going to happen, though. Huh? You know that, that's what happened. Yeah, but, but the thing is, what I'm saying is that a good leader should say to people, announce it beforehand, please, I need time to plan my day. And, uh, you know, so a leader actually who just sees everybody who struggles in says, I don't take leadership seriously. You shouldn't have that time. You can't go unless you are scheduled to see the French uh, president or Biden. However important you are, unless it's, it's a critical global crisis, you can't just go and call, you can't even call and, and see uh, Biden in, in the next few months or something. He is busy. He's been scheduled. Actually, his calendar is actually accessible. It's online. Precisely. You could go in and see his so calendar. And you see what he's doing for every the day. day. Yeah. Do you understand? And that's the kind of, you see, when I don't talk about building roads, again, it's because I take building roads. I, I, what I tell my students, I say, if something goes without saying, don't say it. <laughs> okay? So for me, a governor building roads goes without saying. So I'm not going to say a governor should build roads. Nor should I, I accept that when the governor builds roads is an achievement. Please get out, get that out, out of my face. A governor paying salaries should go without saying. Don't come and tell me that this governor pays salaries every uh, 20-something of the month. Uh, civil servants get their salaries. Teachers get their salaries. Before uncle, as I say, mm -hmm. you know, should it be any other way? So it goes without saying that governors should do a certain, certain basic things. But the point you made, to create the environment, not necessarily to invest in creating industries and so on, but to look at the laws. If somebody wants to set up a business in Anambra State, how easy would that be? If it is not busy, if it, not, if it is not easy enough, the governor should make it easy for people to bring in their resources, right? And should appoint servants, uh, civil servants, who are responsive. So anyway, um, it, it's going to be difficult. But I tell you something, right? Uh, people say, oh, if you do certain things, you, win, you won't win a second term. That's another sort of conventional, I think, misconception that uh, you know Nigerians don't challenge. I think that if you are if you are a leader, if you if you go if you come to office and you decide that I'm going to be transformative, all right? And then um, you begin to create change in society. So a governor needs to create an environment that will draw uh, investment both uh, domestically and from good investment from abroad mm -hmm. it needs to secure the space that there is safety when people feel that crimes are low and that you have the infrastructure to identify arrest and punish criminals then people are confident 
if they think that the environment is unsafe, um, it's unpredictable, then nobody wants to come in. So it's going to be basically four wasted years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, if that is that is. So what what would you say is the what do you like? Um, I'll give the I'll, I'll give this thought in a, in a thought of the question like. We we talked about I don't know if we spoke about it on, on this thing, but in terms of the airports, yeah, there's an airport in Anambra, mm-hmm. and it feels like a duplication of of need when there's an airport in Asaba already, and there's an airport in Enugu, and it's not like air travel is growing in Nigeria. In fact, they just jacked up the prices mm-hmm. um, the other day. Um, so, you know, what do you think? What do you f- what do you think would be some of the biggest needs? Um, outside of what we, you know, security, education, security, um, improving ease of doing business, um, especially as it as it suits a large portion of the population in that in, in Anambra who are by and large um, um, business people, um, you know, large 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 amount of this thing that drives the state is actually um, our business. So, what, what do you think would be the 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 other the bigger the big issues that is needed in that state, in t- but in terms of, I mean, we talked about etiquette and changing the tone, setting the tone, mm-hmm. a different tone. Um, but maybe in terms of like a project that they could undertake, not doing roads. Doing roads should be standard. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they should have an expo. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I actually think they well, should have an international expo there or something. Well, but they would they would need to dredge the river Niger or mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. that done. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, uh, first of all. Food, food security is a big issue in the world, all right? Mm. And we're seeing it today. You know, prices are going through the roof in America. It's worse in Nigeria. Um, and if people don't find food to eat, and, or if there's food but people can't afford it, then all bets are off. It doesn't matter the kind of moral tone that you have created in a society. Human beings have certain basic needs. And the most important is that people have to be able to eat and to, to be nourished, okay? First in their bodies before you talk about moral and intellectual nourishment. So Anambra State has baskets within the state that are, uh, you know, that, that historically produce a lot of food. So the, the, the government... One of the investments that the government can should do is encourage the processing uh, of food and create, you know, so talking about road construction, for me, it's really not road construction as much as it is to create new channels of, of, of movement of goods and services within the states of people, goods, and services, right? And this could be electronic forms of movement. It could be uh, rail f- uh, movement. It could be just the vehicular uh, movement. But there are places that produce food that are waterlogged. And so they are, in a sense, what they produce, a lot of it, it gets lost, again, because we don't have processing and so on. So Anambra State is a state that can benefit from doing a lot of investment and when I say investment, I don't mean for the state government to build these things because our experience is that when Nigerian governments build things, 
they typically then put in their cronies to run those institutions. And then they even uh, uh, en entities that should be profitable are then gutted because the people who have been uh, appointed see it as the governor put me here to chop. Okay? And so they take the resources, the state keeps voting money, and after a while, everybody abandons the whole thing. It is create a safe, secure environment, educate young men and women so that they can be conscientious workers for investors, you know, instead of stealing the resources or just coming there and sitting down and just hoping to collect your salary for being sinecures and so on. So, um, so I, I would say that securing the food security and viability of the state, addressing environmental questions. You know, Anambra State has a huge erosion crisis. Gullies are all over the all over the place, taking down houses, washing up communities, and uh, in terms of land space, Anambra State has a relatively small land space, so we can't afford. Um, this menace of erosion to, to continue to, to grow. So the state government has to come up with uh, effective uh, but, you know, in a relatively inexpensive solutions, you know, to these crises that would secure the buy-in of the communities themselves, okay? And you and I know that there is nothing called um, trash, uh, disposal in Nigeria, right? Yep. So when people drink what they call pure water, they just throw, you know, the, the plastic on the ground. Uh, when people need to go to toilet, they just run into the bush, you know. So um, I remember um, going to a town a few years ago and um, somebody from the town said, let's go and see the stream where he used to fetch water as a young man. Mm -hmm. And as we were going to the stream, you know, people had defecated all over the place, you know, so, and then there is trash, mounds of trash everywhere. So you can actually turn these things into energy. You can actually have innovative solutions, but it takes a government that allows itself the space to think, that brings in partners who come in with real solutions rather than partners who just say, uh, give me a contract to buy 10 official cars of the government. Okay? You bring in people who have come up with solutions for real problems. Power is central. Power is central. I think that I, I think that just the other day I read that Professor Barton, his geometric power has uh, settled a long running legal battle with um, I think a Mekofor's um, company. And so because uh, geometric power had built an independent power station that would uh, provide regular uninterrupted power for Aba. There should be such an arrangement for Onicha, for Newi, which are the commercial and the industrial hub hubs of, of Anambra respectively, right? And then for Oka and its capital territory as a capital political uh, center. And then ultimately all of Anambra. And Anambra is relatively small that you can actually build an independent power plant that can give regular power all over Anambra State. Once you solve that power problem, 
and you solve the security problem. The thing is that Nigerians are such an inventive and creative people that they can actually create the wealth in amazing ways. Hmm. It sounds real good. Well, um, I guess um, we talked about a bunch of those issues. So um, in terms of what's, what's expected, um, what the bar might be, um, and, you know, more importantly, where, you know, you said it's a parable for Nigeria where maybe somebody some way because can be um everything we everything we expect in a government in nigeria and that might um be a way of revitalizing the population to get more uh, in tuned more educated in terms of what what they should how what and how they should be demanding things from their elected representatives or their representatives. I don't know if they're elected or not, but their representatives. Um, but yeah, that might be because no matter how you uh, choose and pick, whether it was um, Donald Duke and Torresen in um, Cross River or Fabio in um, listing some infrastructure and some listing, um, they would excel in certain areas. Peter L. B. in, you know, um, I think it's uh, what they call this person in a Boeing state that is doing a lot of infrastructure as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they would generally excel in certain areas and then um, still in most of the critical areas in yeah. terms of um, 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 corruption and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, creating a real framework that even in some cases, not long after these governors have left, most of these things are nowhere to be found. Um, Tinapia was a big thing when Donald Duke was yeah. there, but it's still a thing, but it's not the thing that it's not mm-hmm. it wasn't built to to move into the future yeah um unless some other person comes up and decides to dust it up but you know the way things are there's a lot of self-aggrandized individuals that end up in these positions mm-hmm. so when they get there they have got no interest uh-huh. in continuing with what their predecessor there's no continuation um and in some cases that might have, that might also be the reason why some of these things have have um, collapsed mm-hmm. and if you if we look at specific cases but overall i look at a situation where anambra might be the beginning of especially as we head into 2023 and uh the possibilities out there of people trying to gather steam as opposed to those people who have just been there um who have done every who are experienced at doing the wrong thing yeah absolutely so yeah. uh you know, I mean, and that's you just mentioned another reason why it is absolutely important that Sobido succeed. Yeah. Twenty twenty three. Um in we did a podcast, uh we did an episode on the debate in mm. Anambra State, and that was a turning point, you know. Uh people st- saw on the stage uh three candidates, Soludo, Ozibo and uh, Andy Oba. And there was just natural separation, you know. So Soludo separated himself, showed he was stellar. Ozibo was close. And Andioba shouldn't have been on the stage, you know. And I think that f- that was key in ensuring that somebody like Andioba lost in his own local government. Yeah. So people, uh, you know, because we have this whole thing. Yes, Nigerians can be maddening in their um, acceptance of mediocrity in government, in their low expectations for those in office. But that is also 
born of experience. You know, Nigerians used to expect much. You know, I remember, you know, uh, when independence came, my father was telling me they actually thought that Nigeria was going to surpass Britain. You know, my parents believed in their capacity. You know, once we chase away the white people, we're going to surpass, you know, these, these people. Um, and we had the, that capacity. You know, we had that potential to do it. But then we had leaders who lacked imagination and we have continued to, uh, to uh, allow in office, not necessarily elect, because a lot of the people who have hold political office in Nigeria are rigged in. They are not chosen by the people. But um, some of them are chosen by the people. And um, we, we, um, we have to become attentive to, um, th to get the small things right, okay? Because as I said, if, um, if Soludo, you can normalize abnormality. This is a phrase that Ngugi Wachiongo uses. Mm -hmm. He says a lot of things are, abnormal, are, 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 are normalized abnormalities, okay? So that's what's happening in Nigeria. So in any serious space, you can't just budge on the governor and expect to, to be received. But in Nigeria, people think I'm important, so the governor has no choice but to receive me. But the governor can say, hey, let's begin to act at the rest of the civilized world, okay? And it's not civilized white people. It's also civilized, enlightened black nations and black people, right? That's why, as I said, when I have an appointment with somebody, if you are late for more than five minutes and you haven't called me to explain why you're late, it doesn't matter whether you are the big billionaire. I have enough self-respect to myself that I leave. I just leave, okay? Um, and it's my way of saying my time is important. And if my time is not important to you or if I'm not important enough for you to keep to the time, you know, I remember so some years ago, I was uh, the um, founding editor of a magazine that I published with Barton Naji, Professor Barton Naji. Mm -hmm. And uh, the governor of Enugu State at the time um, was supposed to be the chief guest of honor at the launch of the magazine, the official presentation mm -hmm. in Nigeria. Uh, the event was to start about 1.30. The governor didn't come until 4 p.m. And there were cross-section of Nigerians and the European community, some Americans in the diplomatic community were there. And when the governor finally arrived, he showed up and people went and crowded his car. And he came out and started talking to, to the people. Eh, how are you? Eh, where are we are you know, as if he had come early. You kept people waiting for not five minutes, not ten minutes, not even one hour, for almost three hours. And you show up and you start talking like, oh, I'm the governor, they can wait. And I was so angry, I was supposed to introduce him. I went and told the MC, I'm not going to introduce this idiot. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I, I, I just said, no, I can't do it. Do you understand? I was so angry. I'm not going to say, yeah, you know, ladies and gentlemen, our big man has come. No, I said, nope, I have respect for myself. And for me, the governor disrespected himself. You know, same thing some, uh, in 2010 or 2011, I 
was the coordinator of the Chebec Colloquium at Brown University. Mm -hmm. The then Nigerian ambassador was invited to uh, speak, uh, give the opening speech for 15 minutes. Okay, This man came 40 minutes late. So I actually went and said to Achebe and to the president of Brown University, we're going to start without him. And they said, sure. So I got to the stage to start. And the man strolled into the <laughs> office, you know, uh, <laughs> the late, now late Professor Adefuye. And he and I became friends because I actually told him that I was very upset at his conduct. So he came in and I conferred with Achebe and I went to him. I said, okay, you were supposed to speak for 15 minutes. So I give you now three minutes to go expecting that he will apologize for being late and then come down. I said, three minutes. I don't mean three and a half, three minutes. So he got up there and started speaking. Oh, we all love Achebe and so on. Then it got to two minutes. So I said to him, I stood in front of him. I said, you have one more minute. And he started bringing out his speech. To <laughs> 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 so, so I came and stood in front of his uh, podium. And I said to him, Ambassador, if you read one word from that, I'm going to come up to the stage and we'll start a fight. <laughs> I said, so, I said, yeah. so, so he kept saying to me, okay, I'll read it quickly. I said, you're not to read. I said, you have to come down now. I said, don't read one word, Ambassador. So after a while, I said, so I wasn't moving. So I said, okay, Ndibe doesn't want me to read. And he got down. So during a break, he said to me, okay, you were fair to me. I said, Ambassador. I asked you to go there so that you would have the opportunity to apologize to people. You went, you didn't apologize. You started talking about, oh, we all love Achebe and so on. I said, the first thing you should do when you are late, if you take time seriously, is apologize to people. Okay? He and I became friends. <laughs> we became friends. But it started with that fight. So, and that's what I, you know, so for me, if, uh, you know, occasionally Nigerians invite me to give talks, and I tell them, I said, if you want me to start this talk at 1 p.m., I'm there at 1 p.m., but you better start at 1. Yeah, I can make an allowance for 5, 10 minutes. But one of those things where they start s say 1, at 1, nobody has come. And so they say, hey, they will come from 2. I say, okay, I'm, I so at 2, let somebody else speak because I'm not here. I voted enough averted time to speak to you from 1 to maybe be with you till 2 p.m. If it is starting at 2, I don't have that time and I move on. Yeah, yeah. That's a good lesson. So, yeah, um, yeah. That's that's where we should um, ease out of the of the, the podcast today. Um, I don't know if you have any final things to add. But well, um, Soludo has has a choice. Uh, the choice that we hope he takes is to live up to the commitment that he made to be an extraordinary governor. We think that he has everything that he takes and he has the goodwill of the people to do it. So 